1: Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. Taylor Swift has a new album out, you may have heard. It's called Reputation, and the world has had, as of this discussion, has had a week to absorb it. They've had a week to reconsider all the opinions they had about it before they heard it. And we have opinions. We have so much to say. Here in the studio, we have Brittany Spanos. Hey, Brittany. Hey. Hey. And Rob Sheffield. Hello, Rob Sheffield. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brittany. So, Rob Sheffield, you were saying that much of the world may have to reconsider their think pieces upon actually
2: encountering the reality of this album. Could you elaborate on that thought? It's so funny how the album is so different from sort of... You know what everybody was expecting. Everybody was expecting the "Woe is Me." It's hard to be a celebrity, uh, sort of thing that she sort of uh, hinted at with "Look What You Made Me Do." Then the album comes out, and it turns out "Look What You Made Me Do" is the only celebrity "Woe is Me" song on it. Yes, instead, it's a lot of it is about really, really liking her boyfriend. <laughs>
3: yes, <laughs> what a
2: concept! <laughs> Brittany and I were talking about like how the, the first Taylor Swift album with no breakup songs. Yeah.
3: Yeah, this is like the first one where love songs are just like based in reality, and these are Taylor Swift just as straight up in love with someone.
2: There's
1: always like the the breakup leading into this mm-hmm. is, is the subject of at least a couple of the songs, so that it's in there. Yeah. But, I mean, that's you were saying that there's a specificity to the kind of love songs. Mm-hmm. What, what did you mean by that? Well,
3: all my favorite Taylor Swift songs really set a lot of scenes. Like, she really loves to give this really heartbreaking detail to her best breakup songs and to the songs that come from really harsh realities for her and a lot of her love songs are sort of like the romeo and juliet sort of love story mind kind of fantasy not really based on real facts about her life but these have like so many details like new year's day like clean up bottles with you and things like that that really add so much layer to the story her love story and this one that she's really letting us be a part of for this album
1: in general, what do you make of the reaction to the album? Because there's almost like a grudging quality to people being like, oh, you know what, actually, wait, it's good.
2: <laughs> Isn't that kind can, of the... You can you can really tell which reviews were written before they heard the whole album. Mm-hmm. Not, to, not to mention any specifically, but like a few of the reviews I've read, I was like, ooh, they had this lead before the album and they were so attached to the lead they couldn't let it go even when they heard the album and realized it was not at all the album that they thought it was going to be. But that's like part of her routine thing. It's, it's funny how every album is so different and I go into every new album thinking, wow, I, I hope she totally repeats what she did last time and I go into every album kind of secretly hoping I hope she doesn't blow it this time. So, there's always this weird mix of, of shock and relief and, and worry, like, you know, is, is this the right idea for her to be doing something that is so different from what she's proven in years past that she could just keep doing on automatic pilot forever and it would be great. I mean,
1: if 1989 was sort of 1989 in its sonic approach, sort of, it really was inspired by, I think, other people in part, who were being inspired by the 80s rather than the 80s itself, I would argue. But this is a very, this album could be called 2017 in some ways because it, it really is extremely sonically current. We were joking before we began about the, all the trap hi hats on the album. There are tons of trap hi hats. Uh, it was obviously a, a big day for Jack Antonoff the day he, he felt comfortable being like, you know what, trap hi hats, I'm, I'm putting them in. And they're all over the place, even on, on songs that might have an EDM vibe. Here we go with the trap hi-hats. It's 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 very much unabashedly a current album, and I think most so on the second track, Endgame. But I think before we get to that one, why don't we go in order and start with Ready For It, um, which obviously everyone heard before the album came out. But let's hear a little bit of Ready For It, and then we'll we'll dig into that one. Mm-hmm. Knew he
4: was a killer. First time that I saw him. Wonder how many girls he had left in It
1: should have been a clue, actually, that this wasn't going to be an album about Kanye West. (laughs) That's what people, people seem to think it was going to be a concept album about Kanye West. We even talked in a previous episode, you know, I got in a Twitter argument with a couple music writers who were convinced... Horrifyingly, that she was deliberately releasing this album on the anniversary of Kanye's mom's death, which was deranged on a number of levels, but mm-hmm. it also would imply that the whole idea of this record is about fighting with Kim and Kanye, and people seem really attached to that idea, and then as soon as Ready For It came out, that should have been a clue as Rob said, that it's not that album at all. Mm-hmm. But there is a, a sensuality to this album, which I think has unnerved some fans. Yeah,
3: it's a uh, lot more visceral. Yeah. And she's just like much more direct with it. Like, I think that before she kind of spoke in very like poetic, roundabout terms. And it's also just a matter of her fandom being so young for so long. And I feel like now it's really starting to expand a lot more into not her not being an artist specifically for. A teen girl audience and I think she was very aware of that and I feel like this album has grown up the way that her fans have and the way that she has in a lot of ways.
2: Yes, I I love that she's grown up yet she's kept her Distinctive personality, yeah. which is excessive and and sort of uncontrollable in, in all the same ways. My favorite part of the album is is uh, is when she sings, "Is it cool that I said all that?" Like, yeah, and and I love like, oh, now you ask, like after after five and a half albums, now you're asking, "Is it cool that I said all that?" Like, you know, she cannot help oversharing even when she's being you know mature, dropping hints, Taylor. And, yeah, and that's something that's something that I love about this album that it expands her personality, but it keeps you know, the essential teosity of it. Yeah. I was saying about the uh, 2017 essence of this
1: album, it's it's like when that little like dubstuppy break comes in, what was your reaction the first time you heard that? Because that, that's new sonic territory for Taylor.
2: Yeah, I love it. It's it's a song that jumps a lot within the song. Britney was like straight out the gate. You called this as, as the song that, you know, would really sort of set the tone for the new Taylor. You're ahead of us <laughs> all in that department.
3: Yeah, this is still in my ranking of all the songs shifts a lot but this is still like one of my favorites on the entire album and this was the song that really sold me on the sound direction because Look What You Made Me Do I feel like I would like teeter a lot just because it was so blatantly kind of celebrity what was me Kanye sucks type of stuff but yeah it was like this is it. This is the album.
2: What, what did you think of her version on uh, Saturday Night Live? I
3: thought it was great. I loved the dancing. I thought that was wild that she was actually like doing full choreo in yeah, like a TV performance. Yeah. So I was really blown away by that. I think it was just really fun. But yeah, I love the song.
1: I think my favorite part of Ready For It is actually that little throat clearing bit at the beginning. Yeah. The stagey uh, throat yeah. clearing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, uh, the
3: entire like beginning, <sighs> just like few seconds is so shocking. Like I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, this is, this cannot be a Taylor Swift song. Yes. I've never heard her do this type of yes. like, sound.
2: Something that she's wrestled with in the past um, the laugh game of her vocals her mm. laughing on this album is much better than her laughing usually <laughs> is. sometimes her laughing in songs just it, it it seems a little like she has a lot in common with McCartney that's you know like sometimes McCartney does the laugh at his own jokes in the song and it yeah. just it sinks the song worse you know like Maxwell Silverhammer being a case in point but like the laugh in, in uh, this is why we can't have nice things mm-hmm. if I'm ranking the like 100 greatest Taylor recorded laughs like that's I think that's at the very top
1: (laughs) uh track two is endgame and when rob came back from his first hearing of this album and said there was a track with future and ed sheeran (laughs) on it um at first i thought he was kidding uh, (laughs) and in fact there is a track with future and ed sheeran and it's called endgame and let's hear that if we can So, did Joe Allen have a, a big reputation, <laughs> or, is, or is the "we" a little bit of poetic license? You know, that's a very good point. In terms yeah. of we,
2: that's she's being a very equitable, like distributing the, the <laughs> reputation. It's, it's funny because, like, even in the part that we're listening to, I mean, we all went into this album thinking all the rumors were that Drake was going to be on it. So, yeah. at this point, I'm, I'm hearing like those A's hey, and everything in the middle. I'm like, is that Drake? Is that Drake? And then Future begins, and I'm like, uh, no, that's not Drake. And I don't, have, I don't have credits in front of me or any or titles or anything. Huh. But I'm thinking. Okay, am I going insane or is this actually future? Future Hendrix is actually burning his his lyrical guitar, and then when Ed Sheeran comes in, I'm like, this is a very, very strange decision, and I love it.
3: Yeah, I will. This song has been very divisive amongst people that I know that even love, love of the album, and people on you know Twitter and everywhere. The song has been very divisive. I will fight to the death for this song. I love it, but my one thing that I really wish had happened was I wish it had just been one long Drake verse instead of future <laughs> and Ed Sheeran. Like it's just a perfect place for it. And I wasn't sold on a on a Drake Taylor Swift collaboration until this song and I was like, this was a lost opportunity for Drake wow. to just show up and just do one long verse, and <laughs> it would have been amazing.
2: Do, do, do you think the gauntlet is down now that Drake will hear this and say, What am I, chop liver? Yeah. Get me in the studio. He's like, I did like, all
3: those Apple Music commercials of me running on a treadmill yes. to your song. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and there was something, like <laughs> after
2: that commercial where she's, you know, Taylor is, is like lip syncing Jumpman. And it yeah. turns out, nope, she was going the other way that we thought that she was going with that collabro. She was like, Nope, Future's the guy I really got to work with. <laughs> this it's, song
1: is divisive, even in my own head. It's so it's so now it's the least sort of distinctive song in mm-hmm. some ways it's the most like sort of here's a song that would be on the radio in 2017 way and uh, it's entertaining to be sure and then mm-hmm. the ed the ed sheeran is kind of hilarious because it's like <laughs> you go one way with future and then it's like what the fuck is ed sheeran doing on the on the <laughs> yeah. song
2: like it's it's charming i guess if you if if you like ed sheeran um, i love it it's i love how everybody is also trying to like sort of like speak each other's language musically like like yeah. i love how future is trying to sing what in his head is a Taylor Swift song he sounds so happy yeah, yeah. he sounds so happy he's delighted to be doing this and like he's looking to like sort of speak her language while she's looking to you know sound future and and yeah. it's kind of like it's amazing you know he doesn't talk about any prescription drugs in, in this this song which is you know another
3: misstep yeah, re- <laughs> I would have loved a, a Percocet <laughs> reference on this <laughs> a real breakthrough
2: for Drake I was at, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> sorry for do you think there was
1: a memo where like the following topics are not appropriate for a Taylor Swift
2: <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, think there's any I that, think it's like so, I got to give it up to my 15-year-old niece in Atlanta who pointed out that she really does have an affinity with the Atlanta rappers and always has. You know, she she did that song with B.O.B. and you know she had that great onstage collaboration with T.I. where mm-hmm. they did "Live Your Life" together. Wow! And she uh, there's something about like that sort of country grammar that she really like. You know, uh, responds to musically and so in a way like her and Future are kind of like a perfect team. Um,
1: <laughs> so that's Endgame. The next track is. Uh, I did something bad in which we learn again that Taylor Swift wears red lipstick. I'm you know the only thing I'm unclear is Taylor, do you wear red lipstick? I I, I wish I wish she could be a little clearer on that on that point in your songs. But let's uh, let's hear I did something bad.
4: This is how the world works. Now all he thinks about is me. I can feel the flames on my skin. Crimson red paint on my lips. If a man talks shit then I'm
1: she cursed. She curses on this song. It's it's a lot. It's a I lot
3: to screamed take in. when I heard it. <laughs> yeah, so shaken. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't Absolutely. believe that she cursed. <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. I was like, oh my gosh. Yes. It's just like, it's just tossed off just a, yeah, you know, yeah. like...
3: It, but it's so she doesn't, biting when she says it too. So biting. Yeah. yeah. I, this song is very... I really like this song. The song has really grown on me. The first time I heard it, I kind of was like, "This is cool," and then I was like, "Oh, this song is." I like the, her, the way her voice sounds on, the, especially the chorus of this song.
1: Yeah. Well, what did she do that was bad that felt so good?
3: Okay, I've created a timeline of the songs in my head. Yes, I was um, hoping you would. So, basically, just like the whole sort of Joe Allen, Tom Hiddleston, Calvin Harris stuff. She met Joe and Tom at the me- at the same Met Gala two years ago. Because she m- mentions his like shaved head and her platinum hair happened at the oh Met Gala where God. she met Tom the Hiddleston. Buzz cut? Is that him? Yes, he's the buzz cut. And so she met them at the same time. That's why she was friends with Joe. But then she started dating Tom. She left Calvin for Tom. This getaway car is definitely about Tom. And then yeah, she may have cheated on Calvin, or just left Calvin for Tom. So I think this song is about leaving Calvin for Tom because she did something bad. And so, You are
2: blowing my mind. Oh my God, that's uh, an amazing timeline. timeline.
1: (laughs) Anyway, so you are listening to Rolling Stone Music Now, which just got super gossipy for a second, but that's okay. (laughs) It's a Taylor Swift album. You should understand. And we are breaking down Taylor Swift's reputation with Rob Sheffield and Britney Spanos, and we'll be right back with a lot more.
0: and even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.
1: We are breaking down Taylor Swift's reputation with Britney Spanos and Rob Sheffield. We were just discussing which tracks we might have to skip in order to make it through this album. But we're not skipping yet. We are on track four, Don't Blame Me. And perhaps we can hear a little bit of Don't Blame Me before we dig into
4: that one. I've been breaking hearts a long time and toying with the mold of God Things
1: for me this is the first Taylor Swift song That I ever Instantly was like I want to hear Adele sing this uh, Weirdly Ooh. but yeah. uh, I, What an intriguing concept yeah. I, I, I mean like You know it just seemed utterly natural that that could happen mm-hmm. but also apparently fans of the artist Flume have some ideas about this song and and that they feel it's derivative of a specific Flume song but my favorite part is when she says i've been breaking hearts a long time and toying with them older guys just play things for me to use because that's such a great flipping the script mm-hmm. of the of the sort of younger woman older
2: man thing which has never been a thing of hers yeah and it's funny that you know aside from calvin like that's a genre of celebrity she hasn't had any interest in dating at all well jake and john mayer yeah I don't know what you're talking about, to be honest, uh, Okay. <laughs> yeah, other. You're right. Regardless of
1: biographical facts, I just like that I just like that setup. I like the idea that she's you know, that, that they're toys for her and not mm-hmm. vice versa. I think and her great. voice
3: sounds incredible on this. I
1: think it's again, that's why yeah. that's why I thought Adele. They'll I mean not, that, yeah, not yeah. that Taylor did a didn't do a great job, it's just like very like
3: it's probably I think the st- Strongest I've heard her voice on a non-ballad. We talked a little bit about the production before the show, but like the idea of Jack Antonoff being able to produce her vo- vocals, and Max Martin has always w- really been great on that. For a lot of her more upbeat, and when she's kind of moved to dance pop, um, her voice has kind of gotten lost in a lot of it. And I feel like on this album, and especially on Don't Blame Me, she's been able to work with the production in a way that she may not have been as comfortable with by the time she hit 1989, and now it's really come through very well on the non-ballads on this album too
1: yeah even like a drug metaphor is like a little daring in the in the tower swift world you know well the actual <laughs> yeah.
2: consumption of alcohol on this album yeah. so much so much
1: yes yeah. yeah no good point yeah and and uh, and also i'll be using for the rest of my life yeah that's a big thing i mean that's that's a, a big thing to say about your boyfriend i mean mm-hmm. man the big question you know like, i don't i don't mean to get so gossipy but it's always interesting to imagine the reaction of the subjects. It's especially interesting uh, in this one. Mm-hmm. But let's jump to track five, delicate.
4: We can't make any promises now, can we, be, But you can make me drink. Yeah, that's
1: wonderful.
4: On the east side, where you at? lights like, at my stand in the black.
1: It's funny, this reminds me of some tracks on the Lord album, but it was mm-hmm. not produced by Jack Antonoff. It was produced by Shellback and Max Martin. Yeah.
2: So um, The song, it really reminds me of a lost song from the 70s. It was a huge hit in the 70s. I don't know if anybody remembers it now. Uh, a song by Exile called I Want to Kiss You All Over. This sounds so much like that. That was a number one song in the '70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fairly a fairly wretched song, I say, as someone who loves it. <laughs> super like, but like super creepy, kind of like '70s, like mellow, hot tub, love beads, kind of like a uh, slow jam. Yeah, and and very like very very interesting in the sort of like sort of seethingness of of the production. Yeah, but. I, I don't know if that was, you know, an actual Taylor, you know, I want to sound like this astoundingly cheesy but awesome Exile number 1 hit from 1978 that Adam Sandler sings into his uh girlfriend's uh phone in I think Billy Madison.
1: The Billy Madison is is, is was what rang the bell for me I guess
2: on that, but uh, I want to kiss you all over. Uh, this song is so great. This is I think uh, the first time we've come across that the vocoder which yeah. is such a like unbelievable like you know power move on this album yeah. and the way she uses it for specific kinds of regretful confession-y songs mm-hmm. is just like really astounding that's actually how the old tower comes to the phone is <laughs> <It's, laughs> yeah. through, that, you know.
1: <laughs> through that sound but we can we can hear the song that that rob has theorized possibly might have inspired this song so let's hear that
2: when I get home baby, <laughs> don't you Oh, baby, I'm thinking about you, baby, I'm <laughs> desire. <my> one desire.
1: <laughs> Gonna wrap my arms around you, hold you
2: close to me. We gotta hold on for our... Yes. Oh, baby, I wanna taste, taste your lips, I wanna be your, your fantasy. Yeah. The, ooh, the creepiest.
1: Yeah. Oh my God, I love that song. I, yeah, I'll be real. I don't think
2: I've ever heard that song in my life, and I don't think Taylor has either, but I, I love that that reminded you of it. They used to play it in 70s sex education classes <laughs> to ensure that everybody would feel utterly creeped out at the very idea of having any kind of sex at all. <laughs> but Dive Bar on the East Side
1: on Delicate has been uh, an obsession of Britney, trying to figure yeah. out which uh, which Dive Bar. We, we, we may have figured it out. We're I not, not going to tell you.
3: a lot of whiteboards just trying to connect songs. I, this, this, I think... <laughs>
1: (laughs) There's a lot of, like, thread going from various, like, uh, there's a Google Maps of, yeah. And
3: it actually,
2: like, back and forth with Brittany about this, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I don't know, the magician, the lighting is a little too high. I don't know if she could get in and out, like, without being, like, spotted. Whereas, you know, I still think that the library on Avenue A. Yeah, that one's
3: moved up in my.
2: Like, it's so easy to get from Houston Street to, like, into the dim. Like, also the ID guy is inside the door, which makes a big difference when you're, when you're tailored. And I love how, like, she's now, now she's wearing these, like, big sweaters and hoodies. Yeah. and they like, ooh, I'm somebody who like sneaks around like <laughs> having these late night rendezvous at dive bars. Well,
1: I was saying like, based on your bar possibilities that apparently she's a blogger from 2006. <laughs> yes. So that, that's, yes. That's interesting too. I don't, I don't know what to make uh, of that. Yeah, a- <laughs> We're going to skip Look What You Made Me Do because we've talked about that A lot in the show I've talked about it With Alice Cooper We've talked about it With everyone Mm -hmm. Let's go to to So it goes My favorite Favorite thing About so it goes Is that someone On on the site Genius Is convinced It's a Slaughterhouse Five reference (laughs) Which Cute I'm gonna go ahead And say that Is probably not the case But let's hear So it goes For a second
4: You make everyone and Cut me Into pieces Gold cage Hostage To my feelings This is a great song that
2: just climbs for me. And Mm -hmm. in terms of like the annoying punctuated songs on the album, this one makes a nice pair with you know Ready for It. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) but in terms of like So It Goes, that's one that like I really liked for the first few days, and it just keeps growing for me.
3: Yeah, I think like this and Delicate and so many of the songs on the album really remind me of my favorite Taylor Swift fan theory, which is that there's always a song on the last album that um, informs and predicts the next album. And, like, I feel like it's, like, Wildest Dreams plus Clean have sort of predicted a lot of what yeah. we're hearing on Reputation. Sort of this, like, more ethereal, kind of moody aura of the just, like, sonic elements plus her voice and kind of these... um like understated vocal performances that we're hearing across more than half of the album.
1: Well, you know, the final song on Use Your Illusion 2 is very Chinese democracy-esque. So this is a thing that happens. That is the most on-brand Brian thing I've ever heard in in my life. (laughs) I love that. I love that.
2: Uh, You're 100% right about that. It's funny that your wildest dreams... For me, like for like, it, at least a year after 1989 came out, that was a song I skipped. I thought yeah. of it as one of the lesser songs on the album. Same for me. And it, th- that's one that just has grown for me. Now when I hear that on the radio, I'm like, "Ooh, I love this one." It's one that really like has has been like quite a grow for me. And, and I totally think you're right that that's yeah. the one that sort of sets the, the 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 sonic and emotional theme for the new one.
3: And the fact that she had Emo Jean Heap on the last album, like I feel like that has predicted so much of what we're hearing now. And, yeah. Yeah.
2: Do we
1: want to skip gorgeous or talk about gorgeous? A, let's skip gorgeous. Oh, let's get another single so we we've all we've all kind of formed our thoughts on and that. we're
2: really, really, really eager to get.
1: Getaway Car. Yeah. Getaway Car. So let's hear let's hear Getaway Car. This song is one of the easiest to sort of figure out, I would say. Even even minus like actual names and biographical facts, it's so clearly about rebounding. But let's hear it.
3: No, no.
4: See Old Teller. Yeah. I don't
1: know. What do you guys
3: think? This also feels like the one song on the album that sounds the most Jack Antonoffy y to me. Like the more I listen to it, it sounds like a bleacher song. And a lot of the bleacher songs I do really, really enjoy. And I think that he sort of helped unlock this like great voice. Folk um, performance in her that just like her voice just sounds so full on this song. It sounds so like 80s kind of arena rocky on this more like pop performance.
2: Yes, the 80s stuff in this song. I mean, just the again, the vocoder mm. is just like you know, it's 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 the vocoder is where the mother of dragons like is like that's really like the fire breathing. Like, yeah. she uses it sparingly on the album, but but every time it's so effective. There's something about this song, it really reminds me like you mentioned like the 80s rock stuff, it really reminds me of uh, the ABC records in the late. 80s when after the lexicon of love when they were doing albums like alphabet city and Mm -hmm. how to be a zillionaire so i've been playing my Uh, late 80s ABC albums, like, very much. And even the wordplay, it's in that really sort of self-mocking sort of Martin Fry mode. Like, the first line, like, the ties were black, the lies were white. I was, like, going through the album the first time, listening to it, uh, I was trying to listen to the album all the way through without playing any songs twice, without, like, rewinding, just sort of, like, uh, uh, this is the song where I cheated and played the song twice. Mm -hmm. Immediately, I had to hear this song again. I just, I love this one. Yeah. I love how detailed the bridge gets with the metaphor. Like,
1: mm-hmm. we were we were jet set Bonnie and Clyde until I switched to the other side. And then, then he's like, I turned you in, and then I'm going to get a car. I left you in a motel bar. Although, I guess some people think that's a reference to a real world thing that happened. Put the money in a bag, and I stole the keys. It's like, wow, how deep? Like, we're really just diving into this metaphor. And it moves um,
3: so quickly. And just like the entire narrative, it just feels like you're in this car with her. And like, I think one of the her best storytelling songs that she's done.
2: Yes, absolutely. Like in terms of uh, it being so different, like emotionally from the kind of cheating or or, or mm-hmm. infidelity song that she's dabbled in before. It's like it's like really fun to listen to this and think, "Wow, this is somebody who like actually released Girl at Home' like a few yeah. years ago. Like somebody who's like really kind of like you know like expanded her narrative range. Mm-hmm. Also, like this is this is one you could tell like even though like this album is so far from her country roots, mm-hmm. this is this is a song that you could tell that she's a country songwriter who learned to write songs. Writing country songs. We are
1: skipping King of My Heart. Goodbye, King of My Heart.
2: We're going to do Dancing with Our
1: Hands Tied, at least quickly. So let's hear a little bit of that one.
4: I, I loved you in secret.
1: Yeah, like you said, I love what she's doing with the lower register here and there. Some really nice singing. Um, Verses are
3: great. Love these verses.
1: Anything to say about Dancing With Our Hands Tied
2: before we move to the next one? I know you want to get to dress. Yeah. I I, I love this song. For me, it's uh, the verse is stronger than the chorus, Mm -hmm. so I find myself, like, you know, really drawn to the verse and then that the chorus, I guess it's kind of the out of the woods of this album where, you know, I'm like, what a great song, it just needs a chorus.
3: That delivery of like 25 years old, how are you to know? It's so so sad, but like very good. Also, I (laughs) love
2: that this is one where the 80s-ness of the beats is like really like, you know, it's very aha, just to pick the most obvious example. yeah. But like, what a great song.
1: So now Dress. We are going to talk about Dress after we hear a little bit of Dress. Let's hear it.
4: Our sacred moments in your garden room, they got no idea about me and you. There is an indentation in the shape.
1: No, I don't want to pick on Ed Sheeran. I've been unkind to Ed Sheeran. I actually feel bad about being <laughs> unkind. But I do have to say, it was really funny to see a headline be like, Ed Sheeran denies rumors that dress is about him. And he's like, I don't think it's about me. It's like, dude. What? It's not about you. The thinking is that because there's a line about shape of you and I don't want you like a best friend that it's about Ed Sheeran, it's like, n- no, it, it's it's.
2: it's, it's <laughs> I'm going to call oh, that the savage. least <laughs> successful theory in the history of theories. <laughs> <laughs> um, factual question. Is is a gold tattoo a thing? Is that a real thing?
3: A gold tattoo? Yeah.
2: Can you get a gold tattoo? Yeah,
3: I think so. Okay.
1: Think a you gold, can. golden tattoo. Made your mark on me, a golden tattoo. Yeah. But what does she mean? Even metaphorically, what does that mean?
3: I mean, I think it's just like a permanent thing, a lifelong She is in it. In it for the long long haul. Yeah, No getaway car, she is just there.
2: Absolutely. Parked. Also, also, can we Whoa, talk about I the genius of, ring of <laughs> her calling this song dress? Yeah. Like just such a, you know, she could call it rain yeah. or or, you know, sad or just these like these perfect one-word Taylor thematic titles.
3: I will say because of how co- iconic the song is already Two people I know have already changed their like Tinder and Grinder bios to the I only bought this dress so you could take it off.
2: Wow! Two
3: people I know. Wow! Already, it's been what, a week.
2: Wow! What message does that send?
3: That's a successful bio. <laughs> exactly what I guess you'd want on Tinder.
1: <laughs> Interesting.
2: This is a, a different world for me. This morning I was, I was putting on my socks and I thought I only put on these socks so you could take them off. Like it's just. <laughs> but you were talking to yourself. Yes. Yes. I have a very active interior life, Brian, and I. Listen to a lot of music while I put my socks on. Um, this song, this song, it's it's so uh, it's so attention grabby with mm-hmm. the chorus, but there's there's so many like details. The finesse of this, as, as Brittany, as you have pointed out, like that her singing all over this album is so different from any kind of singing yeah. she's done before, where she's singing in ballad mode, even though they're not ballady songs, mm-hmm. and with the you know a real attention to rhythm
1: yeah. and a real yeah. hip hop influence thing that that often is you know obviously as we said super blatant on endgame but often is more subtle and just sort of informs it and and makes it modern and makes it interesting and is is a genuine sort of musical accomplishment i mean people people don't think about sort of musical accomplishments when they come to vocals they're thinking about you know virtuosity in other ways but i I, i'm impressed on just sort of a a technique level on both a writing and performance level that she can do that stuff and and make it feel natural and make it sound cool Again, a lot of attention to the chorus Because of what it is Which is, oh, yeah, I only bought this dress So you could take it off Which is, you know, that's a thing um, <laughs> And uh, this is why we can't have nice things Rob is not eager to talk about that song But I wanted to hear Brittany talk about it Let, Let's hear that song a little
4: bit Bass beat rattling the chandelier Feeling so Gatsby for that whole year oh, why do you have to rain on my parade I'm shaking My head. I'm locking the my
1: favorite thing about this song is how she dismisses the very concept of forgiveness <laughs> as ridiculous in it, which is, you know, it's badass. I like that. But what do you think, Brenda? <laughs>
3: <laughs> the concept of the song is just so, it's so funny to me. It's, this song has definitely grown on me. I was really annoyed the first time that I heard it because I feel like <laughs> after the, the look what you made me do kind of redirecting us and kind of swerving on us and then we have this beautiful collection of love songs I was like uh, are we done with like how angry we are at the world <laughs> it's okay you've fallen in love you have this like you know this great just like relationship that you've really outlined for us and that's so beautiful and then I was kind of annoyed but now I'm just kind of like this is hilarious this is like a hilarious kind of like mean y sort of like just super petty song that I feel like is much more simplistic than look like, what you made me do and a lot more general and just kind of you know this kind of sucked but also i think she's kind of making fun of herself in a lot of ways too
1: it's also n- clearly not just about kanye
3: yeah i think I, it's yeah i feel like it's a lot more general and i feel like it's like a lot more like, you know it's I about everyone
2: I, she fucking hates yeah <laughs> I, don't, I don't think i don't think there's any way you could see it as about kanye unless they mm-hmm. used to like party together like in a yeah. champagne sea which i'm kind of doubting well no to get get you on the phone and mind twist you i
1: think is a is a kanye reference yeah
3: I feel like there's like a lot of interwoven sort of. Yeah, I, I was about, having a really exactly, good time, yeah, and that you all came in here and ruined my great time, and that's what the song is about.
2: Yes, I love this song. Uh, Taylor's song reminds me of uh, from Red, one of the you know lot, one of the many like unsung gems on on Red, Starlight. Yes, this song reminds. It's it sounds to me kind of like a sequel to Starlight. Mm-hmm. I would just say just generally as a thematic
1: thing. It's, to me, it's like clearly about this idea like I tried to be so open to the world. Mm-hmm. I tried to, you know, I, I even let Kanye be friends with me again after the initial thing <laughs> that happened with Kanye. And then it's like, you know, this is why we can't have nice things. And it's also, by the way, the nice thing was sort of her being nice. Yeah. And you can't have that nice old Taylor phone can't come to it. Um, never trust song, a narcissist. Yeah. So. Yeah.
3: no, The song has grown on me so much, but I, really, I still don't like the title because it's so internet-y. And I'm just like, This <laughs> will not age well.
2: <laughs> and also, I think this is the debut of her evil cackle and yeah. it works for me.
3: Yeah, the, the evil persona side of Taylor has definitely grown a lot because I think of like Picture to Burn and yes. that sort of has a similar intonation and like vocal performance on it. And this one is a lot better than that. Yes. Yeah.
1: Just to reference one more time, the the old Taylor can't come to the phone now thing. I think it's underrated how funny her delivery is mm-hmm. on that. Why? Oh, it's funny. Like that's good acting. It's amusing to me. Um, yeah. So anyway, we're going to skip Call It What You Want. And let's hear
2: New Year's Day, the album's final track. What a song. What an <laughs> album. Like closing ballad. Yeah, she never fails in that department.
4: There's glitter on the floor after the party. Girls carrying their shoes down in the lobby. Candle wax and Polaroids on the hardwood floor.
1: I was telling you guys during the break that I read some rando online was like she just put that song on the album so people would still like her. Which is just really funny to me. What a burn.
3: <laughs> it just amused me. What a
2: great song.
3: It's so beautiful. Her, I mean, everything about it is just like, I, I love a Taylor ballad. I would pay a good amount of money for an album full of just Taylor ballads. And I'm so glad that she kind of like snuck one in there last minute when I'm yeah. already pleased with everything else that she had done on this album. And I was like, this is beautiful.
2: Yes, and yeah. I love, like, it's, it, as you said about her songwriting on this album, she really sets the scene. Mm-hmm. I love, I, I, this is the only song I can think of that's actually about New Year's Day, not counting, like, yeah. the, the Bono song, where, you know, it's, like, really fun because, like, I was like, wow, New Year's Day really is a drag. It's yeah. always a drag. You're always cleaning bottles. There's, you know, you're, like, you've got a headache. But it's so it's never a fun day. And this song, also, that she brings back the guitar, like, mm-hmm. and as, as you said, yeah. it's, like, it's it's warped, produced guitar, but, but it's very, like, she's, like, this is a different version of the song that I used to be able to roll out of my sleep.
3: Yeah, it's a very relaxed ballad, too, from her. There's so, no, like, big drama in it. It's just very simple. Like, we did this on New Year's Day. It was beautiful and simple, and we're in love.
1: It's nice for me to hear her off the laptop. Mm-hmm. But, so we've been talking in great detail about Taylor Swift's reputation, which Brittany Spanos and Rob Sheffield like a lot, as do I. And uh, that has been our episode of Rolling Stone Music Now. We are going to be back next week on friday at 1pm here on SiriusXM's Volume Channel 106 and in the meantime you can download us as a podcast and subscribe to us as a podcast and i hope you do and you should also be sure to leave us some nice reviews wherever you get your podcast and especially on iTunes cuz we i particularly look for that i read your reviews don't complain that we don't play enough music as i've said before because we legally cannot play more than like seven seconds on the podcast so give us a break we can't help it if you want to give us a million dollars we can play it anyway this is uh, why we can't have nice this things. is why we can't have nice <laughs> things people anyway this has been rolling stone music now i'm brian hyatt we also had rob sheffield and britney spouse and we will see you next week